Hello, you're listening to The Deep Cut, a podcast from Atlanta Christian Church led by pastors Derek Sweatman, Lindsay Self, and Joel Mooneyhan. Each week, we take about 30 minutes looking at the previous week's message and text to explore the theological and practical applications for those of you listening. We're glad you're here. We hope you find it meaningful. And now, let's get started. Okay, we're back. Hello, everyone. This Hi. is Derek. I'm joined What's up? by Joel and Lindsay. This is your uh, podcast team. Another uh, deep cut edition coming off a sermon from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Second week of our Distant Neighborhood series. This one's about loving your neighbor. Uh, and it's, you know, it, the, the deeper cut is how do we do that? How do, you know... Um, in the bulletin this week, there's a, a section on the front page where I talk about how, you know, there's 613 plus commands in the Old Testament, and which is overwhelming in and of itself. But then they each fall into one of two categories, which is a negative command versus a positive command. The negative commands are very easy. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now, you can do them, but they're easy, they're easy to at least read and understand what what the prohibition is. Right. Don't murder, don't steal, don't whatever. So the negative commands are typically easier. Then there's the positive commands, <laughs> like love your neighbor as yourself, with no explanation as to how you do that. Um, and my Jewish friends tell me that um, this is how traditions and liturgical traditions developed as a way to uh, put some feet to the positive commands. Yeah. Uh, so we do these things. This is why you have things like, well, we wear these kind of clothes or we don't eat this kind of food or, you know, we do these things on the Sabbath. We don't do these things on the Sabbath. And it's all to fill the, I don't know, the, the space that, uh, the, the definition space that seems to be missing. And so a command like love your neighbor as yourself is as difficult as your boss telling you to go be a great employee with no. Yeah. With go no, be good at your job. Yeah. With no next steps. Go be amazing. How do you do that? Um, so, so in some ways we can lean on traditions and uh, things that we do as a church family. But in other ways, these positive commands, they open up uh, everybody to a sense of creativity. And love your neighbor as yourself is perfect for that. Like, yeah. How do we do it? How do we love our neighbor, etc.? And so this three-week series is about that. And uh, this past week we talked about speaking Scripture over one another, which is a very different um, thing to talk about. And I don't think I've ever talked about that. No, I think so. Yeah, and so it was really fun to uh, put all that together and, and share it. But... Um, our text for this week is Second uh, Timothy verses Second Timothy three verses sixteen and seventeen. So I'll read it. I'll do a very quick background on it, and then we'll talk about this. Okay. All right. So Paul writes to Timothy: All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so this has always been a famous text. Uh, it is the only place uh, in, in the Bible where we have this uh, notion of it, Scripture being inspired. 
and it's Paul talking about it. And, and Paul, of course, is talking about the Old Testament. He's yeah. not holding a New Testament. No, that wasn't there yet. Uh, and so he's, he's, talk, he's referencing the Hebrew Bible. And, but while some versions say inspired, uh, the version we just read, the ESV, the NRSV does the same thing. Just this image of God breathing out scripture it's breathed out by god and um the the greek compound word there's theonoustos which means the breath of god um which is where we get inspired from and it's it's cool because it means a lot of things but one of the things that it means is you know it harkens back to the creation of uh the man in the garden where God, it says God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. And so it's associated with life. It's associated with, you know, animation, you know, that, that we are animated by God's breath, that we are a living being, uh, a soul. Uh, soul is a big word in the Old Testament for a living being. Um, and so it's, the, you know, life is in the breath, etc., and so what Paul is saying about Scripture is that it is alive with um, the divine. You know, when we, when we pick it up and read it, we're reading something that God has breathed life into, um, which is in and of itself a whole different discussion. Mm-hmm. But for us today, I think we're safe to just sit still on, okay, when we read Scripture, it, it's filled with God's breath in the sense that it's alive and, uh, and, and as Paul says, it's useful. That's what some versions say. Profitable is the, the word here, but useful is also uh, used in some versions. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So it's not a dead word. It's an alive word that can be used for like formation uh, for us. And so um, that's some background and in terms of our subject today, and I need to stop talking because I'm dominating the podcast. Aha! Uh, for our subject today and this week, um, when we speak scripture over people as a means of encouragement and as a means of loving them, we, we do so knowing that these words are filled with the breath of God. Well, I like that idea for sure of it, it being the breath of God and I feel like that's a big piece of what sets scripture apart from maybe other writings, other things we might read for encouragement or learning or teaching. It, it sets it apart just as like how you were talking about the soul being so important in the Old Testament and the fact that we're the only creature that God breathed life into. It set us apart from the rest of creation. So I don't know if I might be making mm-hmm. a wrong parallel, but mm-hmm. in my mind, it just made me think of it set us apart from the rest of creation. And I feel like calling scripture God breathes sets it apart from any other writing that we might have to learn from and to gain knowledge and to um, get encouragement from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, it's dead on. I, and it, it, that kind of has a, it kind of comes with a boast that way because there are other religious texts that are written by a, a prophet of somebody or a, a representative of somebody and uh, scripture that we have in our Bibles is it's it's to be understood as you having been mediated through people, but having been given its power and its life through God and not through anything else. 
And I think it, you can get into this whole discussion about uh, who wrote the Bible and inerrancy of Scripture and all that. And that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think for the purpose of what we're talking about, it's, it's the most important thing is to understand that whatever else is happening with the historicity of the text and so on, what it, at least the way I look at it is that God is taking the imperfect medium of written language through people mm-hmm. and using the frailty and the, and the brokenness that comes from trying to talk and write to people mm-hmm. and still able to do something meaningful. And I mean, we've, we've been reading it for, mm-hmm. I mean, the Old Testament over 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just been around. And I know that there are other texts that have been around like that, but I mean, mm-hmm. this, this book is the basis for all kinds of really good and important things that have, that have happened mm-hmm. in history. And not to get too far down that same rabbit trail, but or hole, whatever it is, trail or hole. Um, <laughs> both work. Both work. <laughs> um, the fact that we have words on a page talking about the indescribable God, like once you start using language to describe the thing you really can't describe, it just demotes it. <laughs> you know, so the word, the Bible is is still somewhat insufficient. To, to describe what we're trying to describe. Yeah. And, um, but part of the inspiration piece is that God accepts that. He, he works through that. I mean, um, in some ways, you know, what God is doing with, what God is, was doing with the writing of the scriptures is not so much dictating it, but just approving of it and using it despite that it's, it's going to be less than a hundred percent accurate in terms of who he is. There's a David Gray song called Coming Down. It's a really good song. But the recurring line in the song is that I'm I'm trying to spell what only the wind can explain. I think it's just a it's a really cool image, but again it comes to that idea of we're trying to use language to do, to approach describing or explaining the mm-hmm. things that God does. We can't, and yet God in his wisdom and mercy is still able to mm-hmm. to do things with that. Yeah. Um, that, yeah I don't know. It's, it's kind of yeah, cool. I heard a, a great story a few years ago, and it was um, talking about trying to explain color to someone who can't see. Mm-hmm. And do you, are you familiar with it? Uh, no. So, well, maybe... So they're trying to explain, someone's trying to explain color to someone who, you know, has never been able to see. And finding ways to explain what that is is very difficult because they have no frame of reference for it. And so using things like, okay, red, think of hot, think of Mm -hmm. fire, you know, like, okay, like I can, you know, I can feel that. Or blue, think of cool, think of water. Um, Yellow, think of the warmth of the sun, you know, green, just sort of the softness, that lushness of Mm -hmm grass and stuff like that so yeah just trying to instead of explaining it in sight words and things that they could feel and maybe have experienced and even though they still didn't know what blue looked like they had a feeling of it and so I feel like that's such a good yeah and it's it's important to I mean ideally you use all your senses to experience the world Mm -hmm. I think there's something there's a way you could take that with the scripture uh, speaking scripture over people and um, it's not <clears throat> merely enough to read it 
Mm-hmm. It's good to read it, mm-hmm. but read it and study it and practice it and read it out loud and read it to yourself and handwrite it and copy it and talk about it with other people. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's something in it that's difficult, ask questions of it mm-hmm. and engage it with as many of your senses, I guess, mm-hmm. as you can, because it's not meant to be just... I mean, this, if it's God-breathed, then it's not meant to just be experienced one way. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be experienced with all of your life. Yeah. I think... when So I put two links in the bulletin this past week. Uh, both of them deal with the same thing, and one of them is um, uh, a video from the Bible Project people. It's fantastic. So and it, yes. Those guys are amazing and it's about the public reading of scripture as a tradition and they get into like you know Ezra reading the law and you know just Josiah finding you know people finding the the law in the temple and for the first time in a long time and just Moses reading it you know to Mm -hmm. people and um, so there's there's something about it's a long tradition of like listening to scripture and allowing it to be spoken to you and over you and um, which which leads us to a couple of things. One, what good is that? And two, if if we're going to speak scripture over people, then we probably should know the story, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but with with that or overarching all of that is the uh, and this is what Paul's words are getting at in Second Timothy is like scripture should be used to help form us and encourage us. It is a way of loving our neighbor to speak, especially the words of Jesus over people um, as a means of encouragement. And the sidetrack here is the Bible hasn't always been used to encourage. Sometimes it's been used to oppress. Right. Uh, oftentimes it's been used to uh, create guilt. Um, you're probably doing it wrong if that's what you're doing with it. <laughs> that's your goal. If that's your goal, it's you could do it. You could you could proof text it and find a verse uh, and really come down on somebody, but there are just so many more passages in scripture that are <laughs> hopeful, yeah, <laughs> and positive and life bringing, and yeah, I mean there's some there's some hard things in there. Sure, you got to deal with them, but but they are usually wrapped in yeah a larger story of grace, right? And there's yeah, and then you you get into the teachings of Jesus mm-hmm. and. Like, it's, it's just you... I'll hear some of the things... People will tell me some of the things they were taught in church. Yeah. And I'll think, I don't see Jesus in that. I don't hear Jesus well, in that. Well, it isn't the most often repeated command in the Bible to not be afraid. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's don't. the most repeated yeah. phrase. In and that. the most repeated promise yeah. is, for oh, I am with you. I am with you. That's two of the most yeah. encouraging things you can hear, whether it's from God or from... You know, another person. Yeah. Like, you know, you've, someone's with you. That's really cool. Yeah. It sounds like someone's walking on the roof. Do you need to get that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry, fans. A uh, phone was ringing. Um, <laughs> Anything else y'all want to add to that before we get into some, maybe some how-tos on speaking scripture to people, memorizing the story, etc.? Yeah, I think understand, I mean, going off of what Joel was saying, understand, understanding the context 
in which a scripture you want to use is in the midst of. Like, Mm -hmm. we so often pull out a verse and use it for our benefit or use it to rebuke someone else not fully understanding the rest Mm -hmm. of the story. And we, we just misuse it so often. And it also made me think of not only, like, do we sometimes use scripture to, like you were saying, sort of put someone down mm-hmm. or give them a guilt trip or whatever. Um, this idea that we use scripture, I'm trying to think of how to say this, like to gain this power over our life and that we can manifest things. It's very in, new agey. Yeah, manifest things into happening if we just believe hard enough and speak the scripture over our lives or mm-hmm. someone else's life, I think that's very misleading mm-hmm. for people and what faith actually is and what speaking scripture over somebody mm-hmm. or, you know, over ourselves. It's just a, a gross misinterpretation of what we're supposed to do with it. Yeah. I think part of part of the practice of speaking scripture over people is in part it's a reminder that We've been here before mm-hmm. because I'm speaking words of not just encouragement over you, but history. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> these things are not new. These things are not new. It's not unprecedented times. No. And um, like I think about our current situation now where churches just can't meet, you know? And I think about it's, it's been seven months, it's been a long time, mm-hmm. and we're gripey about it. But I mean, the Israelites were in exile. The temple was destroyed for a long time. Well, there are places in the world right now, and this has been their this has been their normal for generations. Right, like Forever. today. Yeah, in other other parts of the world, they've never been able to meet, mm-hmm. and their faith is very strong. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? That's right. And so, when uh, that is a good point, when you're reading, when you're reading scripture, you're not just reading the promises and the and the assurances of God. You're also reading the history of what God has done yeah. through the world. Yeah. And there's a comfort in that. I mean, it, it can be kind of this again, let's just kind of, uh, but there's a comfort in knowing that what you're dealing with is not a new experience. Mm-hmm. Even if it's new to you, it's something that people have dealt with before. Right. And there is an answer to it. There may not be an easy, it may not be a, it may not feel very good, or it may, but there is a sense that God has dealt with these things faithfully with people before. Mm-hmm. And if he has done it before, there's no reason to suspect that he would not do it now. Right. So it's kind of a cold comfort, but it's it's still it's still real. Yeah. I, and I, I do think there's something to that. Um, I think also the, the context thing, and this, this might segue into practical application, mm-hmm. but... That's good because we have 10 minutes. Okay, good. So I'll try to make it quick, but you, <laughs> people will sing a lot of single verse and they'll say, this is, and they'll just quote it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not very helpful because you're just isolating a verse. And it matters what was said right before that mm-hmm. and the verse before and then the paragraph before and the chapter before and the book before. And what that means is that if you're really going to do this seriously, then you've got to, you've really got to engage with it on macro, micro, mm-hmm. um, and you've really got to do a lot of legwork. And so it's it's not enough to be able to pull out a quote here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not using, like you've said before, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me doesn't mean that you can go win the football game. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you've got to, so what, when, you, when you examine that passage, yeah. like, yeah. Well, we got to look at it in terms of, of what Paul is saying to the it's Philippians. It's funny because that verse comes Paul after like, a section of him talking about how he's lost everything. Yeah. yeah. It's like he's not everything winning. is desolate, and, but yeah. I can do all things. Yeah. And so you, you, you don't know that if you don't read all of it. And I think there, I heard a N.T. Wright talk about, like, read all of Scripture all the time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, get it in your head mm-hmm. and read as much of it as you can. And don't just take one thing at face value. Like, spread it out. Like, what's going on in the bigger picture here? I like to tell people, like, just learn the stories. And then you can just reference the stories versus yeah. a verse here and there. It's like learn the experiences of Jesus so that you can just go, yeah, there's that one time that Jesus went through this too. And it's not that you have to like quote book, chapter and verse. Mm-hmm. You can just tell the story, you know, or you can tell the story of something from the old Testament. It doesn't, you don't have to know the references all the time. Well, even the, even, even in scripture, you have to accept the fact that some of the events are truncated for space or for the fact that they were writing things on scrolls. Mm-hmm. And so you're not even getting every minute detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, in three years of Jesus' ministry, we have just a, a few dozen pages. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we're just getting the broad strokes so we understand what the bigger picture is. Yeah. Learn it that way if you have to. And I think on the personal end, it's about getting lost in the story, hearing it over and Like, we, in order to speak it, we must hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why the public reading of Scripture is so important. Uh, of just listening, just listening to it. The audio Bibles, that's a beautiful invention. Like just, it's meant to be heard. Yeah, just listen to it and stop worrying about, you know, again, the, the, the chapter and num- verse numbers. It's, that, that has made the Bible more of a reference book than a story. And it's helpful, especially if you want to find something, but that's not how it was written. Well, there are uh, reader's Bibles. Yes. That just, they take, Which they I give you the recommend. chapters, yeah. but they take out the verses and it's written in paragraph form. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier visually to read because you're reading it like you would read any other book. It's it, not in little columns. And it sounds different when you read yeah. it that way. Yeah. It looks different. And I think one of the, a good practice is not just reading it in your room, you know, at night or in the morning when it's quiet. Like, get a group together and read things out loud to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, hear it. Let mm-hmm. somebody else read it to you so you can hear what it's saying. And it, you will receive it differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things when, when I've been in church and I listen to somebody else read a passage because I'm hearing how they emphasize things or where their cadence is. There are passages that I've heard a million, read a million times and you hear somebody read them a certain way and a word or a phrase or a theme hits you that's never hit you before. Mm-hmm. And that's because you're hearing it. And it, there's something to that. There's probably mm-hmm. some physiological thing going on there too. But mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I make, I make my students read the versions that don't have numbers because it is different. Because they have to, they have to take it all in versus taking it in in little chunks and some Bibles are even like every verse is its own line. It just mm-hmm. looks terrible. It does, yeah. Um, but and it, and it just <laughs> compartmentalizes even a story. You're just like, what am I reading? Um, so it, 
I make them read it in paragraph form because it, it familiarizes them with the whole thing versus just little chunks here and there. Um, did you have something you were going to say? Oh, as, as far as like how to implement this in our lives, yeah. like one of the things I, that I thought of in, in preparing for this and is engage, like doing this with somebody rather than it being that we're speaking at somebody and telling them things that we think are important for them to know. It's, it's more engaging in a conversation with them. And I think that goes along with what you're saying of it doesn't mean you have to quote the verse precisely but it's knowing the idea knowing the intention behind what you're trying to communicate to that person it's being authentic and engaging with somebody rather than just saying it at them um and I don't know if you were going to talk about this but I had brought up my book club that I'm in shout out to my book club (laughs) (laughs) the last book that we've read um is it's called unfollow and it's by someone who used to be a part of the Westboro Baptist Church um and she has since left it or escaped however you want to look at it Um, and she grew up in that I mean her grandfather's the one who started it and she talks a lot I love the way she's written it because so often she's talking about either in the discipline with her her mom who like she talks a lot about it was a fairly abusive environment that they all grew up in but her mom would just use scripture to justify that and Mm -hmm. the fact that you know like listen to your parents or obey your parents or the rebuke one another, that kind of thing. And she just weaves it into the story of this is how it was in my life. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, you know, hit you with this paddle because you didn't do your mm-hmm. piano lesson correctly. And I'm going to say the scripture while you're doing it mm-hmm. and, and approaching it in that way. Isn't going to teach someone to, I think, love the scriptures and no. get comfort from them. It's going to become this negative thing, which is what a lot of the world sees it as is something that we just kind of beat each other over the head with mm-hmm. when what we're saying here is this is supposed to be an encouragement. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a way of lifting one another up and yeah. helping. Yeah, we'll get those. I mean, to, I mean, a less serious example, but we'll get those letters from people mm-hmm. that are <laughs> crazy, mm-hmm. insane people. <laughs> um, and just peppered with one-liners. Yeah, and it'll just, like, we got this one, and this guy was talking about how the book of Ezekiel prophesied the invention of the automobile. It's always Ezekiel. That is exactly, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, that's what it said. And he just starts, like, here's this fragment of a verse, and he he puts it in quotation marks, and then in parentheses he puts the verse. (laughs) And then another sentence, and the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, if you're trying to paint that picture, you can isolate these little verses to fit that thing. But if you read the whole verse, that's not what it's talking about. Yeah. And that happens a lot mm-hmm. where I'm not even going to get into any kind of specific <laughs> issue, but people will like, they'll, this is what the Bible says about that. It's like, no, that's what that half of that verse says about that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, if you take the whole verse as it comes to us yeah. in the conversation that it's a part of, it doesn't say that at all. Yeah. And you, you, make, have, you make it anachronistic when you do that. You do that. And to me, frankly, if that's one of the most disrespectful things you can do to any written text at all, mm-hmm. whether it's an interview with somebody where you just take the thing they said and twist it to make your own narrative out of it, or you take a verse of scripture, God forbid, and yeah. you make it say something it never said. Yeah. And it's dangerous and it's harmful. I think too, <clears throat> as we try and land this plane, 
<laughs> yeah, this is a big old plane. <laughs> yeah. We need a secondary podcast on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Bible, the storyline of the Bible is this, uh, There's you're between two creations. You've mm-hmm. got the creation stories at the beginning, and then you've got this new creation story at the end. Jesus becomes the, the seminal picture of that. Um, but, and I tell my students this, you know, if you had to encapsulate the Bible's message, it's that God is restoring mm-hmm. the world um, spiritually, relationally, and ecologically. Um, we see this in Genesis 3, you know, like the, mm-hmm. there's just the breakdown that sin causes is, uh, is seen in all three of those things. There's a breakdown of spirit, a breakdown of relationship and a breakdown of the earth itself. Mm -hmm. And, um, what God is restoring is that Mm -hmm. those three things. Uh, and that's what Paul talks about in Romans eight. I mean, it's like the, not just our souls and spirits, but the earth itself is being recreated or will be. And so if you can just walk into every conversation with that in mind in terms yeah. of like what the Bible is ultimately saying, then it can really be used as a means of encouragement versus a means of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the whole the that arc is to restoration yep. and healing yep. and redemption. The whole I mean the the if there is an arc in scripture, it is that everything is redeemed. Yep. Everything can be redeemed. And if you're if you like you said, if you read anything in it with that in mind a lot of passages make more sense. They make more sense or you will understand them very differently than you did if you're just like, well, this yeah. is what it says in my <laughs> yeah. English. This is what my aunt Bible. told me. Well, let's leave it at that. Yeah. I think that's good. Cool. Y'all read your Bibles. Yeah, read your, read your Bibles. <laughs> Quiz next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Deep Cut. If you'd like more episodes, want to listen through our archives of sermon series, or if you're in the Atlanta area and want to learn more about ACC's mission and ministry, you can find us online at www.atlantachristianchurch.org or follow us on Instagram at the handle Atlanta Christian Church. Special thanks to Jeff Box and Dave Hick for our musical themes, and thanks again to you for listening. We'll be back next week, but until then, y'all have a good one and go with Christ. Grace and peace, and we will see you soon.